It's another Friday. You know what that means. It's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. And as you know, in just a few short days, two to be exact, we will be celebrating Father's Day. That's right. And just as we did with the Mother's Day podcast, we would encourage all of you, if you have not done your Father's Day shopping, to go ahead and do that so that you don't get caught off guard Sunday morning. That's right. All right. Well, I just want to open this podcast with a scripture verse, which I think leads well into what we're going to talk about today. And it's this from Proverbs 4, verse 1. It says, Hear ye children the instruction of a father and intend to know, attend to no understanding. And Adam and I are going to have the privilege in just a few minutes to introduce you to our fathers. But first, Adam's going to fill us in on a little of the history of the holiday we know as Father's Day. That's right. I have a little bit of information right here. Now, Andrew, Father's Day didn't actually always exist. It's actually only came into history within about the past hundred years or so. And Father's Day was founded in Spokane, Washington at the YMCA in 1910 by Sonora Smart Dodd. And she was born in Arkansas. And the first celebration was right there in Spokane at the YMCA on June 19th, 1910. So the first Father's Day celebration actually just started within just about the past hundred years. Now, uh, Sonora's father was a Civil War veteran. His name was William Jackson Smart. He was a single parent who raised his six kids there. And after hearing a servant, uh, sermon about Jarvis's Mother's Day in 1909, Sonora told her pastor that fathers should have a similar holiday honoring them as well. So although they didn't initially suggest that at first, like a lot of people weren't on board, actually. They were thinking, oh, Father's Day, you know, moms already have a day, and I don't know if we should do this. But she kept kind of uh, persisting, and Sonora said, well, let's try June 5th being her father's birthday. Now, the pastors did not have enough time to actually prepare their sermons. So what happened was the celebration was deferred to the third Sunday of June, so it was because of a pastor's crazy schedule that we celebrate uh, Father's Day on the third Sunday in June. Now, at first, uh, I was for, uh, fast forwarding a little bit to the 1920s. Uh, Dot actually stopped promoting the celebration because she was studying in the Art Institute of Chicago, and it kind of faded away. One of those things that hit the back burner, Father's Day, even in Spokane. But then in the 1930s, she kind of started things back up again, started promoting it and raising awareness at a national level that, hey, we should have a day for fathers. Now, she started going around to a lot of different trade groups, people that manufacture ties, tobacco pipes, things that, you know, traditionally fathers like to use a lot and they could use throughout life with gifts. And now since 1938, she even had the help of the Father's Day Council which was founded by the New York Associated Menswear Retailers to consolidate and uh, systematize the commercial promotion. Now, here's the thing. Here's what's kind of crazy. At first, Americans actually resisted the holiday. I don't know if like, maybe there was football going on at the time or something and figured it wasn't going to work out anyways. But what happened was a lot of people thought, well, we don't want Father's Day to get too commercial and uh, we don't want it to also kind of take the place of Mother's Day. But after after a while, kind of uh, getting into uh, the newspaper, she got the word out a little more, started promoting, uh, promoting it, and even incorporated uh, jokes into adverts and just through certain trade groups, through the grapevine, I guess you could say. She got it through. And by the mid-1980s, the Father's Council wrote that Father's Day has now became a second Christmas for all the men-oriented 
industries out there. So Father's Day really caught on after a while. And then uh, fast forwarding a little bit to 1972, that's when President Richard Nixon finally signed it into law. And then Father's Day became a holiday that we celebrate on the third Sunday of June each and every year now. Good thing he squeaked that in before Watergate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, one thing he did before getting too chewed out. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, before we digress too far, the time has come to introduce our fathers. I will go first this time, and I have the privilege of introducing you to my father and one of my biggest heroes and role models, uh, Michael Gomison. Welcome to the show, Dad. Hello. And Adam? Yes, my dad. Now, he is kind of here, kind of-ish, I guess you could say, but uh, I'd like to introduce my dad's voice to everybody. <laughs> Unfortunately, he couldn't be here in the studio with us this evening. Uh, but this is my dad, Kevin. Hello. Thank you for being on being on the podcast, the podcast today. We appreciate it, guys. Adam, for a little bit of a switch, would you like to start out and ask the first question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Dad, and friend of mine, Dad, since we are both the oldest, can you tell us how it felt to find out that you were going to be a dad? We want to like to tackle that one first. Want me to answer that then? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay. Um, how I felt when I first found out, I'm assuming that's when your mom told me she was pregnant, correct? Yeah, yeah, when you found out, and uh, we could always just go to the default answer of overjoyed, but it's up to you, too. Of course. Yeah. I have, I have all that, you know, the, the, and, you know under the umbrella of, of that, and there was maybe a little sprinkle of surprise and, you know, anxious a little bit because I was a young man myself, and that was, you know, I think emotions you feel right away. But, sure. Um, other than that, it was, it was an exciting time, and... Uh, you know, that's uh, kind of changed our uh, focus and our commitments, you know, and uh, that's how everything's been kind of since then, almost, what, 23 years later. So. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right, Dad. Well, my uh, my feeling was excitement initially as well. I see children as a blessing from the Lord and uh, to begin filling my quiver, but uh, <clears throat> also the feeling of overwhelming responsibility came to mind. As a 20-year-old and uh, facing this responsibility. No, also the fact that uh, a lot of my uh, fathering would be uh, on-the-job training since my father passed away when I was four, so I didn't have a real good example. So I really cherished the idea of being a father. So, All right, well, thank you. Uh, can you each, uh, maybe uh, Adam's dad could go first and then my dad will follow up. Could you each tell us a little bit about when we were born, the circumstances surrounding our birth? Sure. Um, I can remember uh, we had a couple of false alarms uh, with Adam, and we lived, I don't know, probably about 20 minutes from the hospital uh, where he was born. So I can remember, um, I believe they were going to um, induce his mom, and it was a rather lengthy uh, labor <laughs> process. Yeah. So um, I remember that and just the anticipation. Of course, we knew we were having a boy already. So we knew we were having an Adam because we <laughs> named him also. And uh, I can remember being at the hospital and, you know, just waiting and, you know, watching how strong my wife, Adam's mom, was and, you know, how amazing um, they are when they go through something like that. And I had uh, quite a few of my friends that were there. Um, I was the first one, or we were the first out of the bunch to have a child. So um, it was quite emotional, 
and you know, we were blessed beyond belief. And uh, Adam was a pretty pretty big baby, so um, it was Sorry, uh, very nice when he came out all healthy and everything. So that's what sticks out the most with me. All right, Dad. Well, uh, ours was much more challenging in the fact that uh, <clears throat> my uh, wife was an avid reader, so we had uh, actually planned to have Andrew at home with some midwives, and we had met with them and done a lot of reading and those type of things and heard about all the horrors that doctors do to you in hospitals, you know, to the to the women and all Even that. Even back then, wow. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was a day when we were in the delivery room. I don't know if Kevin was in the delivery room when Adam was born. Were you, Kevin? Yes, I was. Okay, so i <clears throat> planning on that, but uh, you had to take certain classes to be in there. Well, I hadn't taken them yet either. Anyways, Andrew's mom and I were decided to take a little vacation before the date. We went down to Jackson for Memorial Day weekend, and we did a lot of walking around. We went down to this uh, stagecoach junction, I think it was called, a little western town. So we were pretty active. And the next morning, which was a Sunday morning, we were at a motel. My wife wasn't feeling well, but not knowing our first, she didn't realize she was actually in labor. Oh, no. And uh, not only that, but she was only six months pregnant. Oh, wow. And uh, so we decided to go to church anyways, and uh, thankfully we did. My wife threw up all over the bathroom there. <laughs> and no. Fortunately, the pastor's wife went with us, and we got a support group right there in Jackson, and they took us to the hospital there and. uh all the uh, so and then as we entered the hospital, a fire alarm went off, and uh, so there was quite a lot of stress for young people. My wife was still 19, I was 21, and uh, you know, not knowing what's going to happen here because of right. baby being born that early. And uh, so I got on the phone, and called back to the church in Grand Rapids, and you know, in tears, asked for prayer, and um, prayed myself, and then we went in. And she was already dilated. We went into the operating, so we had a standard thing, and we had doctor telling, complaining that we didn't go home, but we had no idea what was happening. And anyways, uh, Andrew was born three months early, and his lungs weren't fully developed. And I remember uh, walking out around the hospital and praying to God to save my son. And uh, Andrew was transferred to the University of Michigan. I guess that's why we're Michigan fans. Go there blue. you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and... Uh, they actually had to use adult respirators on his on, on him, so I think that was when he got uh, his lungs collapsed the first night. When we first saw him, he had tubes coming all over him, out of him, there. And uh, <clears throat> but anyways, the Lord preserved him. And a year later, we found out that he he did indeed get some brain damage because his lungs collapsed, and he had a cerebral palsy, which uh, has uh, limited him to this electric wheelchair that he's in today. But uh, it uh, was so it was quite a traumatic experience, but well, through it all, God was faithful. All right, very good. And I am very thankful that even though my physical faculties are affected, my mental acuity is sharp, and that's why I'm able to be here uh, on this broadcast with you today. And I'm I know that God had a purpose for why He made me this way. Um, my parents raised me to believe that God had a plan for everything, and I owe a lot to them as I developed both as a person and ultimately as a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm very thankful for that. So the next question that I have for both of you is, what's the most challenging thing about being a dad? Dad, would you like to start this time? Okay. Uh, well, I, I, I thought about this. I think the 
most challenging thing is being a godly example because your children see you, well, not 24-7 because you're off to work, but they see you when you come home from work. They see you when you go to bed. They see you when you're getting ready for church and uh, and whether you're uh, spending time with the Lord and those type of things. So I think living a holy life before my children and also showing a strong faith in an almighty holy God so that when those times come and they do come, challenging, you know, you have challenges, problems come in life. We actually experience the death of a child. Never thought we would ever get through that, but so that they can see that you actually have a faith and in in that you actually believe in a true and living God and and that also affects your lifestyle because your children learn more from the way you live than from what you tell them. So That's true. Uh, Mr. Right. McNutt? Yes. Mr. Dad? Would you like yeah. to add to that? Yeah. Um, well, up to about a couple of years ago, it was probably the $1,000 we got for taxes every year. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, that's good. No, but um, actually being a dad, you know, going back to you know me being younger with Adam, of course, I think you know some of it now. We have three other boys at home now, um, younger boys. And um, being a dad for me was, I like to say that, I don't know if this makes sense, uh, Adam coming along at the age I was at and probably the level of maturity I was at at that age for me as an individual <laughs> um, helped me, you know, maybe start to be a little bit more responsible and the maturity might have caught up, you know, later than some, but, you know, all that was uh, part of being a dad was knowing that this is what I need to be like, you know, to now have the responsibility of raising a child which to me is the ultimate responsibility you can have, you know, whether it's through, you know, following God or, you know, just being there as a dad. So I think the best thing about being a dad is is just that, you know, is the, the responsibility um, and just what you get in return from you unconditionally loving your children. You know, I don't think I ever realized exactly what that was about. And my wife and I, you know, we're together obviously, but... Um, just the love of a child, you know, that was born so innocent and, uh, you know, the responsibilities you have raising them. So it was pretty, pretty intense for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine. Of course, I haven't experienced fatherhood myself yet. But that would lead into our next question, which is, what is the biggest lesson that God has taught you through fatherhood? And we'll start with Mr. McNutt. Um, biggest lesson for me has been to trust him, trust God. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far off here, and, you know, Adam, you know, kind of knows this, that, you know, I was um, raised um, where I consider ourselves spiritually because of, you know, how we were kind of taught by my folks, but we weren't um, really avid church goers or anything like that. But we were taught a lot of stuff like obey the golden rule and, you know, be treated like you want to be treated. And I always knew that God was, you know, responsible for it and part of it. We just weren't really, like I said, avid churchgoers. So a lot of anxieties that I think some people have that maybe don't follow, you know, God. And I'm just using myself as an example. Um, I had, you know, I had the anxieties of a child and being responsible for him. And I think, you know, Adam is, a special kid. I don't know if we lucked out or whatever, but, you know, it's been really nice raising him. He's he's a great kid. So my example is now with our three younger boys now, I just, 
I trust God. I don't think I ever didn't trust him, but I just feel like I trust God more now to just, you know, give some things to him and kind of guide, you know, what I'm going through as a dad. So Yeah, that must have been quite the adjustment to go from having uh, one child for 14 years to then having three little children mm-hmm. after Adam. <laughs> yes. I think, yeah, the word adjustment is a fair word to use. <laughs> we don't have as much food in the house anymore, do we? Yeah, <laughs> right. But I just, I couldn't see life any other way. <laughs> Absolutely not, you know? And this is kind of about that, like trusting God. This is where God has led us. And obviously he had a plan for us that I embrace more than I ever have up to this day. So, Well, and I, I'm very encouraged by that because I think that a lot of times, people get overwhelmed with parenthood, whether it be fathers or mothers, and they don't realize how much God has his hands on this thing that we call life and how he's willing to guide and direct you um, if if uh, you're willing to trust him. I know one of the things that my dad has told me on a repeated basis as far as children go is that God pays for what he delivers. So it's been a blessing to watch my parents live that out and to see the results of that. Exactly. So, our next question. Are you going to oh, let me answer her? Sorry. Sorry. I almost got distracted here, but go ahead, Dad. And, All right. And, well, I'll repeat the question. When this is the biggest lesson God has taught you through fatherhood. And uh, I, uh, I was thinking about uh, the understanding his relationship with his only begotten son and the price that was paid for my redemption. I remember when... Andrew was born in the the fear of losing him, and uh, it was a, a very painful experience, and it just reminded me that the Lord had given his own son for me. And uh, <clears throat> so it also gives me an understanding of a relationship I have to God the Father and the pain and the joy that I have caused him and uh, the love and fellowship that we share and I can share with my, my son and my sons. Well, thank you very much. Very good. Uh, Good save, Dad. So, all right. The next question, then this will be a fun one again. <laughs> yes, this will. We're going to keep <laughs> it uh, keep it good here, Dads. Would you like to go ahead and share, Adam? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'd love to ask this question. Andrew knows me so well. Uh, would you guys want to tell us one of maybe your favorite memory or a memory of when we were just youngins, little kids? Dad, you want to go go for this one first? Yeah, um, boy, I think there's so many. I gotta try and pick one. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can do a two part show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, good. Good. Yeah, boy, there's so many. Um, you know, and I mean, one that sticks out. I don't know. You know, there's just it's like everything is such a good memory because you were, you know, our first child. You know, and there's you know like benchmarks all along. <laughs> when I think back. Um, now just from, you know, when you were born to, you know, I do remember, you know, when you started to crawl, if you call it that, um, <laughs> he did more of like the army drag. Have you ever seen like a, you know, the one hand or one arm in front of you and you kind of drag yourself. He realized he didn't have like two legs to use to, a couple of knees, you know, <laughs> which was nice, you know, and then, um, you know, all the way up to, you know, when they start talking and then interacting with you and, Boy, I don't know. And it was just such a joy and, and such a good kid. Um, I don't know how young you want to go back, but, you know, some of the, the funner memories or funnest ones that we talk about, our funnier ones we talk about is when we were up north and had Carol and Uncle Dave's and the rooster chased you. 
Oh, good. Let's relive they that. Chickens and roosters up at my aunt. They live by Kalkaska, and they have a um, kind of an area where they have animals. And, of course, they have a large rooster. And it was out, and Anna would kind of go up to feed him, and this rooster just made a beeline at him. And I've never seen anything run so fast <laughs> through the woods before. I got over that army crawl thing real quick. Yeah, right? fast. And as I remember, I was hearing some type of shriek that I thought was Adam, but I didn't quite recognize it. And then we both looked back, and he was just... You know, running as fast as he could, so that was quite funny. And he was actually scared, but we were laughing so hard that, oh. you know, hope you've realized that there's nothing to worry about because we were all laughing. <laughs> Did you get it on video is the question. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I know. Oh, I <laughs> don't. run so fast, I don't know if it would have taken, you know, if it would have taken or not. <laughs> oh, boy. Superhero in that. training. That's <laughs> right. Anyway, um, Good Dad? one, good one. All right, well, um, th- Concerning the combat crawling, that's how Andrew started. He would drag himself along, and uh, his brother would. Uh, his brother came along a year later and kind of copied him. It took a while for him to learn to crawl appropriately. But, uh, anyways, uh, one of the memories I have, and of course Matthew was a close brother to Andrew, was they both. Uh, one time we bought uh, Smurf bikes. They're little plastic. They were plastic tricycles. And I always tried to give Andrew experiences that others, you know, that normal kids would experience. So I fixed up the tricycle, put straps on there and on his, on the uh, pedals, and we'd strap him in, and then we'd ch- race with uh, Matthew down the sidewalk. I'd push Andrew along, and uh, we had a really good time that way. Another time I remember was uh, at a homeschool outing. I wasn't there, actually, but it's still an interesting one where my wife was taking some of the other uh, siblings uh, swimming, and Andrew decided that he wanted to join the crowd, and he cut the corner too close and went into the pool with his electric oh, wheelchair no. and sank oh, no. right to the bottom. So, yeah, I've I've had about you know probably two or three instances in my life where God has really under, underscored to me the truth in the scriptures that say that all my days are written in His book, and so nothing can touch me until He's ready to take me home, which is which is kind of a comforting thought. It's kind of confounding sometimes when you realize how some people are taken young, but I'm more determined than ever to use every minute to serve him. So, Very good, very good. All right, well, as we wrap up here, I wanted to ask both of you if you had any advice for, for um, young dads that maybe aren't quite as far along on the journey as you or people that... Uh, Maybe dads in the future, such as even Adam or myself. Who do you want to start? Uh, well, I don't have a coin to flip, so let's just <laughs> say, Dad, why don't you start? All right. Carry a big stick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I would say to a, a young father to pray hard and always be willing to admit when you were wrong and ask for forgiveness and then to love your children's mom. That would be my uh, advice to you. I think you have a if you if you show your children that you aren't perfect or not that and that you're willing to admit your mistakes, I think that uh, will give you a great relationship with your children. All right, Dad, you want to tackle this one? Um, yeah, same. Um, you know, trust God, and you know, like trust the you know the blessing or the gift He's given you. And I liked what um, Andrew's dad said about you know love. You know, love your mom and the wife, and you know, and work together. And then, um, when I know that a lot of us fathers and even mothers for that work hard. Sometimes it takes us out of the house longer than we want or normal. But you know, spend time with your kids and just um, just love them. 
you know, I mean, love them all the time. Love them when you're mad and love them when you're sad and frustrated. Just, but don't, you know, you love them, you know, and they, they need that, I think, at younger age to always feel that comfort, you know, from their parents, even if you're yelling at them or disciplining them. And uh, sometimes it's about uh, quantity, you know, and not, maybe you can't spend three hours with them, but if you have a half an hour to spend with them, you know, just make the quantity of that time as much as you can. So, you know, that's the advice that I would give at this point. So, All right, well, thank you very much for joining us to both of our dads. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, we hope that everyone in our audience has a great Father's Day with their dad. Um, I know we have a wedding this weekend, so it's going to be a pretty hectic weekend, but it should be fun. And uh, have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Uh, make sure that you tell your dad how much you love him, and if he has gone on before you, maybe uh, go ahead and write him a letter anyway and get some of those thoughts out on paper. But whatever you do, have a great weekend, and keep serving the best of masters.